Welcome to the Thursday Arts Preview, where the P is parenthetical. I'm your host, E.J. Ionelli. First, some bad news. The Valentine's Day concert that had been scheduled at the Panada Theater in Sandpoint has been postponed. The featured pianist, Tian She, had a bereavement in her family, and so it was only right to suspend the event. But the good news is twofold. Tian's concert is set to be rescheduled for some time in the spring, and the Ponderay Arts Council will still host the Harmony of Hearts art auction that was supposed to precede the concert on February 14th. To find out more about the event, I spoke by phone with POAC board member Dino Wall. And though we initially began by talking about the Harmony of Hearts fundraiser, our conversation opened up to include many more of the events and the initiatives that the Ponderay Arts Council organizes throughout the year. Well, I've been on the board of the Ponderay Arts Council about four years now, and it's amazing to me the synergy that they create between the visual arts and the performing arts. So we often like to pair a performance with a corresponding visual art offering. And in this case, what we were planning on is to have a pre-concert reception starting at 4.30, open to the public with complimentary champagne for those over 21, of course, chocolates, and an opportunity to bid on original artworks inspired by love. We asked all of our artist members, our POAC artist members, to create and submit a piece of artwork inspired by that theme. And we have received many submissions that they have donated. And people have a a chance to do a silent auction on those beautiful artworks. So we're inviting people to come support what you love, which is POAC and the arts in Sandpoint. But you don't have to live in Sandpoint either. We hope uh, people in the wider listening audience will come up and visit Sandpoint and come be part of our Valentine's Day. And it's always nice to get a fix on maybe the size or scope of an event like this. So about how many submissions did you receive? Uh, We received about 20 submissions. So there are about 20 pieces of artwork to be auctioned. And some of these um, these submissions are every type of medium and also abstract. I mean, that's kind of interesting to me when people do something that has to do with love, but it's more abstract. It's more of a feeling. Um, and then there's some that are, you know, very openly heart art, you know, I would say <laughs> that have. This. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's really always something for everyone. And, you know, one exciting thing for us is to show off POAC's new gallery. We were looking for a permanent home for a long time. And we have a new gallery at 313 North 2nd Avenue in Sandpoint, right across from Jalapeno's Restaurant, if people know of that, and also right across from our music conservatory here, um, which allows us a lot of collaboration, too. And we have a beautiful gallery. Uh, The POAC offices are there. And we also have adult art classes. We have um, a classroom in the back of that space, too. So it's a wonderful, you know, chance for people to come and see the new gallery as well. We've been in there for about four months. Oh, it's nice that your physical proximity kind of creates a little arts hub or arts cluster. Oh, yeah. And that was going to be the fun thing about having a concert after the reception is that, you know, the Panada Theater is only a block away on First Avenue and we're on Second Avenue. So we're going to do a lot more of this for sure. And we'll probably even look to do some sort of synergy with Tian's performance when she comes back in May. But we, you know, we have a gallery opening on the first Friday of every month that has the artwork of a featured artist. For example, we have uh, Lucy West and she is a cosmetic kind of a a celestial artist, like NASA even has some of her artwork and many astronauts commission her to create artwork for them. And um, one of the reasons why she lives up here in North Idaho is because of the dark skies. So that's kind of cool. 
And then next month, on March 1st, the unseen canvas, Abstract Dreamscapes, beckons artists to venture into uncharted territory and kind of push the boundaries of conventional artistry. So we'll have that on March 1st. And then coming up on April 5th, Matt Loam, there's an artist reception, and he's an illustrative folk style painter with a flair for storytelling. So we try to have something different on the first Friday of every month and that we hang a new show. Um, and that's a lot of fun, too. And do you make it a point to showcase artists from Sandpoint or artists from that region? Yes. Well, we do like to um, make sure that they are members of Ponderay Arts Council, but we have members from all over the Inland Northwest, um, and they've featured many of them. So you don't have to be from Sandpoint at all to be part of our uh, larger arts community here. And, you know, we've talked about the Ponderay Arts Council, or POAC, and we've talked about this mm-hmm. Harmony of Hearts event in support of it, and as well as some of the other events and, and exhibitions that you're organizing. But some folks might not be familiar with POAC and might not know exactly what you do. So let's yep. talk about POAC and your just larger mission. Would love to. Um, we've been around for 47 years, believe it or not, here in Sandpoint, Idaho, and we exist to facilitate quality experiences in the arts through educational programs and also presentations that benefit the people of North Idaho. Uh, and that's our mission, and it includes both visual and performing arts. And we also have a lot of events through the year that bring people from out of this area into Sandpoint, such as the Arts and Crafts Fair. Um, That's happening this year, August 10th and 11th. And that's, we block off the whole downtown Sandpoint, like probably three or four blocks. And it's just wonderful artists from all over. And we also have an artist studio tour in August where people can visit artists in their homes or in their studios. And that's really a wonderful thing, too. And then we also have a thing called Art Walk. And the opening reception happens on June 14th. And then there's basically art displayed in ancillary galleries and stores throughout the town of Sandpoint. And people can just walk around and get a little passport sign that they've been to all the different ancillary galleries. And then the art is up all summer long. So that's another fun thing that we we are part of. And then we also have a student art show. Um, We always like to feature the students. And that's all on the visual art side. But we also have a performing art season. And that goes from September, usually through April, but now with TN's postponed performance, that will go through May. And we do everything from spoken word and drama to dance. Uh, We had repertory dance theater here from Utah this year. And we also feature musicians. On March 5th, we have The Sweet Remains, which is kind of an indie folk uh, rock artist. And then we also have Lightwire Theater, which is a family show, um, and they are performing Dino Light. It's kind of interesting because the stage is all dark and the dancers and performers wear these lights and create these shapes and these creatures with those lights. It's really a fascinating show. So, you know, POAC really does a little bit of everything. And every single performing artist that comes to our community, we make sure that their visit has an educational element. For example, we just had a show called Letters Aloud that is private letters written by famous people read out loud. 
and this show was called The Road to Fame, and it was letters that had either been written by famous people or to famous people before they were famous. And what these actors did was they went into our local high school here, Lake Pondere High School, and did a performance that included the kids. And then the kids, you know, we said, hey, how many of you kids have ever written a letter by hand, put a stamp on it, put it in an envelope, and taken it to the post office? And only about 25% of the kids had ever done that. So that was their homework assignment. They all wrote a letter to someone they admired. It didn't have to be a famous person. And then they had to uh, put a stamp on it and send it. And we're going to look and, you know, wait and see what happens with that. But that's just the example of some of the, you know, in-school type performances that we do or interactions that we have. Sometimes we also bus the kids with the cooperation of the Lake Ponderay School District to the Panada Theater. And some of these students have never been in a beautiful theater for a performance and really enjoy that, too. So kind of turning them on to the performing arts. And so a fundraiser like Harmony of Hearts helps support all of that. Absolutely. You know, anytime we do any sort of silent auction, that definitely supports us. And we do have one big event a year, and it's called the Art Party. And this year it's June 28th. And that's a POAC fundraiser featuring a gourmet dinner uh, with, you know, live entertainment and a special selection of silent and live auction items. And that's our biggest fundraiser of the year. But we also get a lot of grant support, and we also get a lot of corporate sponsors that really believe in the power of the arts. Um, So we're, we're lucky to be able to be supported so much by this community. And so lots to look forward to, including hopefully a rescheduled concert uh, by Tian Shi. Oh, absolutely. She is such a fantastic pianist. And the one, most wonderful thing about her is that she engages so much with an audience. And you leave there knowing more about the composers, the compositions, and just feeling the emotion that goes into both composing, performing, and just enjoying the selections that she picks. Her performances are always incredibly thoughtful and educational, and she is just an incredible pianist. Excellent. Well, Dino, thank you so much for talking to me today and taking the time out to chat about really a a bursting arts calendar up there in in Sandpoint. We we hope everyone will come up and and visit us and um, enjoy the arts in Sandpoint. That was Ponderay Arts Council board member Dino Wall talking about the mission of POAC and specifically about their upcoming Harmony of Hearts fundraiser next week. That takes place on Wednesday, February 14th at the POAC Gallery, which is located at 313 North 2nd Avenue in Sandpoint. At that event, they'll have some Valentine's Day refreshments, as well as a silent auction for artwork inspired by the same theme. For more information on Harmony of Hearts, as well as the upcoming POAC event schedule, visit their website at artinsandpoint.org. This year, we've already celebrated the 20th anniversary of the Spokane Jewish Film Festival, and we're preparing to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Spokane International Film Festival, or SPIF for short. SPIF kicks off tomorrow, that's Friday, February 9th, and runs until the following Friday. 
The week-long event includes the largest number of films that the festival has ever shown, and a wholesale return to in-person events with filmmaker talkbacks, Q&As, and lots more. Pete Porter and Aaron Spickelmeyer, who helped plan and program the festival, came into the studio to talk about what's in store for this year's event and how this year's spiff builds on last year's post-COVID return. Well, I would say that we have a large number of filmmakers, more than usual, that are coming to the festival this year, um, especially Friday and Saturday. Saturday, almost all of our shows have a filmmaker or a crew member or a cast member that's coming. And then we just have a large plethora of shows this year, larger than normal. We have very few repeat showings of films this year, in-person shows. Um, yeah, just a very large selection of of things that people uh, hopefully are interested in. And in terms of just quantity, how many films do you have on the docket? I believe we have around 18 to 20 features and then over 50 short films that we're showing across all of our shorts programs. So uh, let's back up a minute. What's different about SPIF 25? We put a little more emphasis on having an opening party. So after Best of the Northwest, on February 9th, we'll have an opening party at the Mount Vale Event Center. That will be amazing. And it'll be amazing partly because of what Aaron mentioned, which is we have been really overwhelmed in a positive way by the response from filmmakers who are able to attend SPIF 25. It's been really quite astonishing. So I would say that in an average year, we have something like 10 to 12, maybe 15 filmmakers this year. We're probably pushing past 40, maybe even to 50. We have a lot of regional filmmakers, so filmmakers coming from Seattle, filmmakers coming from uh, Oregon and California. We even have one filmmaker who's coming from Rome, Italy, so that's pretty special. That's been, to me, what's standing out about SPIF 25 is the, the number of filmmakers who will be in attendance. And also, I think one of the points of emphasis this year was to kind of get back to where we were before COVID, mm. um, before the reset. COVID came in a week after we finished one of our auditions. Uh, so we barely got that under the wire. And then we took a year off and then we came back and it was really slow. People weren't really ready to come back to shows and they weren't interested in virtual either. And so last year we did a pretty abbreviated festival. Uh, and this year we're getting back closer to where we were, say in 2000, even 2012, which was a pretty large festival. And then we're like, oh, that was kind of big. But this year, maybe we'll find out if our eyes are bigger than our stomach, um, as they say. But I do think that we had so many strong films and so many strong regional films that we saw, we were like, well, let's see what happens. We have this amazing roster of films with this. Again, we weren't expecting this many filmmakers to come, um, but we're overwhelmed and thrilled by that they'll be here. So we're pretty glad that we did put in all the films that we did, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and across industries, COVID really shook up the status quo. And with film festivals in particular, more festivals moved online. They incorporated a virtual component that may have been there before, but it became available in a much more augmented form. So what is the virtual component looking like for this year's festival? There's a lot more emphasis on the in-person piece, I would say, both from our point of view, but also from the filmmaker's point of view. So everything that we show that we'll have virtually is going to be restricted to Spokane and Coeur d'Alene, so that's pretty narrow. Oh, okay. But at the same time, there are a lot of filmmakers who, are, who want to preserve the in-person experience, and that's another reason why 
we wanted to have as many films as we did because we wanted to really give people options as far as in-person experiences. And again, I think that's also why filmmakers are anxious to come and share their work with, with the audience uh, to be one-on-one -on -one and, and have a small group discussion or have a group discussion about the work that they're doing. So that I think that that's the in-person piece is really important. Um, in terms of a virtual response, I would even contextualize this in relationship to the 25-year uh, run that we've had, or I should say the 26-year run, not counting the one. Um, and that when we started in 1999, it was, you know, six to ten films, and they were all regional. I, that was before my time, so I'm going on rumor with that. Um, but it was much more focused uh, on Northwest films. And then when I came in in 2008-ish, um, and then when I became director in 2010, we really emphasized the international piece because that was, those were the films that were not making it here. Um, and so that was our mission, was really to bring films in that weren't coming here, and those were the international films. Um, now the films that are not really coming here are not only international, they could even be regional films. But it's really hard for filmmakers to get that toe in the door, even though you have made an amazing short, even though you have made an amazing feature that everyone should see. It's really hard to break through. I mean, how do you get a mainstream chain theater to show your film when you don't have a star, even though it'll take your audience 10 minutes to go, man, that performance was amazing. And so that's been where we are this year. And are we seeing among this work any trends, whether that has to do with visual approach, whether that has to do with themes? Is there some sort of commonality among you know, lesser known directors or emerging directors? It's a really interesting question, EJ, because this has been the other piece of the mission that we talked about many years ago and that we talk about every year. Okay, do we want to have a theme? Um, and even when you look at a film festival online, they'll be like, okay, well, this is a science fiction festival, or this is a horror festival, or this is an animation festival, or whatever it is. In SPIF, really, our identity is to show the best films that we can find as a whole curated whole, so to speak. If you look at the program through the point of view of the different programmers who put it together. We have open submissions and we find films that we like there, but then we also reach out to filmmakers that we know. And so for me personally, I program the animation and so I'm always looking for the short animations. I reach out to the National Film Board of Canada. I reach out to a festival that I have connections with called Kaboom in, in the Netherlands and other places. Um, we got one feature animation, My Love Affair with Marriage, through Matthew Modine, who I contacted about another question. But we've had some other programmers who've stepped up this year. Uh, Misty Shipman was instrumental in attracting several indigenous titles that we have that I definitely want to talk about. So on Saturday, February uh, 10th, we have Bones of Crows, which is an amazing film out of Canada. And on Monday, February 12, we have Fancy Dance, which stars Lily Gladstone, which is a name that people should know from Oscar nominations and Killers of the Flower Moon. And we also have a short program called Through Indigenous Eyes on Saturday, February 10th. And so uh, Francis Grace Mortel also programming this year for Queer Lives. So the programmers are really looking for the best films within the particular thing that they want uh, Spokane to see. So 
So I had seen that there is a, a feature film called Punderneath It All, and I wondered if that was a typo or if that was intentional and if that maybe somehow feeds into the, the film. That was intentional. That does feed into the film. It is a documentary about the pun comedy circuit uh, that is in various U.S. cities and really around the world. But there is a particular group in Spokane of pun comics that is heavily featured in the documentary. Um, it, it's very hilarious. We have two, this is one of the few features that we are showing twice, and I believe one is already sold out, the other probably near sold out now. So that's if that's of interest to folks, I would encourage them to maybe consider watching it online if they can attend an in-person showing. And because of the local angle, does that mean you're also maybe going to be able to feature folks from this Spokane pun comedy group at the film? Or uh, will you feature the director, maybe? Yes, we do have the director attending on both of those showings on Saturday. Oh, fantastic. And, you know, for folks who aren't familiar with maybe the festival circuit and just how it works and this opportunity that's provided to them to engage with the creators, what exactly takes place during these sessions? Is it simply the director or the creatives giving a lecture, or is there an opportunity for Q&A? It's definitely a Q&A component to these filmmakers coming to the festival. We do have hosts for our features and shorts programs that when the filmmakers come up to the stage after the film, you know, they may start with a question or two, and then we do turn it over to the audience for a question and answer session because that's generally what tends to bring these filmmakers to our festival is this opportunity to talk to our audiences and answer questions and try to help people understand their films maybe a little better or maybe on a more deeper level than than they had thought before. And are there any films that either of you are particularly looking forward to or that you think are particularly noteworthy? Um, so Bones of Crows, which is a deeply moving film, I'm really also very excited about Fantasy A Gets a Mattress. So those filmmakers are going to be here from Seattle. They're going to be a very lively group. Uh, so that will be a blast on Saturday night. Richland also on Sunday is about, uh, if you've seen Oppenheimer, you know one side of the Hanford story. But if you come to Richland, you'll learn a different side of the Hanford story. That is a documentary that's been getting a lot of play really across the world. So we're very excited. And the director, Irene Lustig, will be here for that on Sunday. Uh, other film that I'm really excited about is Fancy Dance. And then I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the other films that we have during the week, which one is Daruma, which is directed by the longtime director of photography for Z Nation and uses a lot of a Spokane crew. And they just won an award at Slam Dance. They just they have been winning awards where they're playing, and they're going to be here. So that'll be amazing. Um, on Wednesday, the 14th, Valentine's Day, Avenue of the Giants, that filmmaker will be here. He has multiple Sundance credits on his resume, so he'll be here. And then Closing Night is Hard Miles, starring Matthew Modine as a teacher who takes at-risk students on a bicycle trip to Grand Canyon to reorient their view of the world. It's a deeply moving movie, especially if you like Bicycles, Matthew Modine, and the Grand Canyon, <laughs> which are all favorite things of mine. So that'll be terrific. And then we're going to have a closing party and an awards ceremony after that as well. That'll be at Saranac Commons. So those are some highlights that I would want to emphasize. 
um, Pete mentioned a lot of the things I was going to emphasize. Um, one that he did not mention was To Die Alone, which is about a woman who is out hiking in the woods and gets injured. And then in order to survive, she has to depend on this stranger who's also hiking out in the woods. Um, and they develop a friendship as they are trying to get her out of the woods and, and, and to get medical care. Then we, there is a feature that we have as an online-only showing called Daughter of the Sun, which is also was locally made to an extent that is kind of a sci-fi-ish type of film about a girl whose father has Tourette's syndrome, but also turns out he has very special powers that this group that first comes to them as friends tries to help them out turns out to have little more nefarious intentions with him and then just to kind of follow with what pete said i i would also emphasize daruma and uh avenue of the giants and bones of crows as well those are all excellent films that that are well worth seeing well, Aaron and Pete, thank you so much for coming in today and talking about the uh, the program as well as the, the larger festival itself and, and everything that's in store. Thanks, EJ. It's been great to be here. Yes, thank you very much, EJ. We appreciate it. Pete Porter and Aaron Spicklemeyer there talking about the Spokane International Film Festival, which celebrates its 25th anniversary this year. Spiff starts tomorrow, February 9th, with the Best of the Northwest program at the Bing Crosby Theater, and that's followed by an opening party at the Montvale Events Center. The festival runs every day until February 16th with a schedule of mostly in-person screenings, although there's a virtual component as well where some of the films will get a second showing. For festival passes or details on the full schedule, including filmmaker appearances, visit SpokaneFilmFestival.org. And on the subject of SPIF, Spokane Public Radio's Movies 101 trio took a few minutes at the close of their last episode to look at this year's SPIF. Here's some of what they had to say. I just wanted to say that I think we just need to kind of take a moment to be thankful for the fact that we have a film festival, that Spokane has its own film festival that has been going on for as long as it has. A lot of cities our size don't have film festivals that have been running this long. So I just wanted to take a moment to be grateful that it exists. I guess I'll shout out the opening night program of this year's SPIF. It's going to be, as you said, on Friday night, February 9th at 7 p.m. at the Bing. It's the best of the Northwest package. That's seven short films that are all directed by Northwest based filmmakers. Usually they're there on hand to answer audience questions at the end. Then there's an opening party after that that's also at the Bing. We've all been to various best of the Northwest over the years, and the variety is always delightful because you'll get a really kind of sobering dramatic short followed by something really goofy and outrageous mm-hmm. maybe and even like some animation looks, or something looks incredible yeah yeah so I, I would highly recommend that if you can go and then again there are in-person screenings throughout that time from the 9th to the 16th mostly at the Magic Lantern Theater but then there will be online screenings too if you just go to the film festival website you can kind of look through the lineup and Spokane, make up your mind SpokaneFilmFestival.org Thank you. that's where you get all the information 
So when we were talking about some of the variety of films, one that stands out is a documentary about a Muslim woman who struggles to come out to her mother and with her friends called Coming Around. That will attract an audience. I also want to see Richland, the documentary about Richland, which right. is so and close to us. Actually, one of my former students, now a friend, who's our Sundance buddy, he's written a play called Witchland, oh. which is going to open off Broadway. So um, maybe the film adaptation will be at yes, a future yeah. spin. Exactly. That was Dan Webster, Nathan Weinbender, and Mary Pat Truthart of Movies 101 giving their own preview of this year's Spokane International Film Festival. You can listen to that full episode of Movies 101 on our website at spokanepublicradio.org. Or you can subscribe to the Movies 101 podcast through your favorite podcast client. This has been the Thursday Arts Preview, a show that keeps an eye on the past, present, and future of the art scene throughout the Inland Northwest. If you'd like to listen again or catch future episodes as soon as they air, subscribe to the Thursday Arts Preview podcast on major platforms like Spotify, TuneIn, and Apple Podcasts. For Spokane Public Radio, I'm EJ Ionelli.